You are listening to Digital Digital Get Down Get Down. This is episode 107 with your two favorite hosts, Bennett and Heather. The Merlot Ho. <laughs> that is a working title. <laughs> For a one evening uh, t-shirt bachelorette situation. Weekend. You're going to wear it all weekend. No, no, no. It's, um, your it's nickname is going to be that for the whole the weekend. weekend. Cool. Uh, we're not tipsy right now. We're recording on a school night. For no, for nine of, none of us. A work <laughs> night for you. Um, it's a Sunday night here. Exciting plans. Um, we have some things planned to talk about. <laughs> um, I feel like I really need to start with like the one random note that I saved. Hit me. Which was uh, the other day you... We're going through your music. Oh, yes. And you could not name a female musician that, like, you would save their life. Why was that the... Why was that the query? Because you couldn't think of a single one that you liked. So I said, in a Noah's Ark situation... (laughs) Right, that's what it was. Who would you take on the Ark? What female singer? You needed a female singer and a male Mm -hmm. singer for the Noah's Ark. Yeah. Who would you bring? And it took you a really long time... And I still never really and came up with one. still never really came up with one. Well, what if your what's your answer? Um, hmm, not I, so easy, is it? I think I'd pick Sarah Bareilles. She was one who was like circling the arc. She hadn't punched her ticket yet. She was like in your yeah, class, like your. She was on the wait list, the short list, yeah, the short list. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I like Taylor. Yeah, but you would have picked Taylor Swift if you had I to save someone. I would pick her, someone. like, as a person. Mm-hmm. If you got to spend, like, an eternity cruise with someone, you would pick her. Yeah. Yeah. But if I had to pick on musicality, like, they were mm. going to be the only musician in the world. Huh, right. They're going to play piano on the cruise. Who do you then, want? Then, I don't know. I think I might lean towards Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. Um, Maggie Rogers is another one, but she doesn't have enough body of work for me to pick her, I don't think. I mean, I'm a self-proclaimed terrible person with a terrible music taste, so I don't... Uh, So am I. um, But yeah, I've just, for as long as I can remember, I've really never taken to female artists or female-led bands. And yet Vanessa Carlton has one of your favorite songs of all time, unironically. Yeah, on my my car playlist, there's plenty of chicks in that list, but... If you went through the albums that I save and actually listen from front to back, I'm not sure how many, not sure very many would be female. Mm. Name a few other female musical artists that you love. Um, I've gone through Florence and Machine phase yeah. before. Adele, you have Adele, phases. Adele, I have phases of. Um, Charlene Kay. Doesn't it feel like there should be, there's more though that we're missing? I mean, like we were just listening to a Fleetwood Mac song. Fleetwood Mac song, Stevie mm-hmm. Nicks, and yeah. if you want to like go back further into female artists, it just feels like they're a little light in that category. It's almost like we live in a patriarchal society. It's Maybe shocking. Okay, I'll keep working on mine. By episode two hundred, I'll have an answer for you. I believe you specifically said not Beyonce, so I would not pick Beyonce. No, and I would not pick Billie Eilish. No, she would not be my first choice either. Um. Hmm. <clears throat> What else you got, babe? Um, I was just going to do a couple TV shows that I've been watching. Yep. And I was also going to do like a first try book update. 
Just what does that quarter, mean? Right? Is that I a new segment? Say, I was going to say the first quarter of oh, the year. Oh, you just you just shortened the word trimester? Yeah. I'm I the don't... first person in history Ugh. to do that. Okay. Trimester makes it seem like it's school. The first... The first... What would you call it? What's like the business term instead of a quarter? Uh, tip of the triangle. That's not what I call it. <laughs> um, I was going to say first quarter book update, and then I realized I did my math wrong, and yeah. we're at the first third. Got it. Um, mostly, I just want to brag about how many books I've read because I'm having. Yeah, a really I kind of knew that's where you were headed with this. Um, I have read this year so far forty-seven books. Mm-hmm. That's a nice amount. Um, not my best, like, grade-wise year, I mm-hmm. don't think. And you've DNR'd a bunch, too. Not as many as usual. It's just now that you can track them on book digits. Before, I would just... Good plug. Good I would plug. just delete them, so... I've um, read 11. That's respectable, babe. How many pages have you read? Um, Since we're in the first try, let's do a quick stats. I, it's mostly my fault, because I was like, oh, we've just passed the first quarter, but the first four months of the year is I've not read the first quarter. 3,600 pages. Um... I've read 3,900 pages in April. Oh, God. So I, I'm at 14,000. I don't even know what to do with you. 14,200. Okay, let's let's move on. Give us some of the highlights or the lowlights. So I last time we recorded, I was talking about Bridgerton. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah. Had just finished Bridgerton so. season two, and I had mm-hmm. a lot of feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the show I watched after that was Shadow and Bone, mm-hmm. which I was kind of on the fence about watching because it's by the same author who wrote, and in the same universe actually, as the author who wrote Six of Crows, which is one of my famous hot takes that it was not that good. It's severely <laughs> overrated. The book itself was fine. It was just a mediocre fantasy, mm-hmm. but people talk about it like it's like the best fantasy book that's ever fantasied. Yep. And... It was super hyped when I read it. I think I read it, like, right in the middle of the hype. And I was like, this? This is what... Like, I was angry reading it because oh, it was I feel so mediocre. every book that I read. <laughs> um, so, this is... So I haven't really read much by this, that same author and definitely not in that same universe because I was so, like, let down by it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, irony of ironies is that in the TV series, the parts that I liked the Janelle most... Janelle Monet. I, want, I don't really like her music that much, but I would save Janelle Monet. <laughs> I was going to say, she's not in Shadow and Bone, so I'm not sure what you're yelling about. Gosh, I, I, she crossed my mind, too, and then I got distracted mm-hmm. by something else. I feel else. like she'd be good for the, for the future rebuild of civilization. I think she's non-binary. Uh, I think they're non-binary now, so I don't know that she's they the count. She's the closest I've gotten to liking Prince. Okay. Just... In proximity to Janelle, yeah. like you got Prince by understanding sure. Janelle. Okay. Anyway, Shadow that's where I was paying attention. Shadow to and Shadow Bone. Of Bone. Um, so Shadow and Bone is a different series set in the same universe as Six of Crows, and they kind of shoehorned a plot line into. Why do so many fantasy series? No, I get that bit. Why bones? Like in this case, hit me with where are the bones yeah. in play in this? Um, it should have just been called like, Shadow and Light or something because she is like Hell a light bringer mm-hmm. and he is a shadow bringer and mm-hmm. like, they're the two main like and they play, play yeah. off each other. But there's a part. Yeah, see, actually, I'm gonna pick. A, I'm gonna pick a bone with this oh, because the that's part all, that folks. Thanks for listening. To the bones was actually antler. 
which I don't think is bone. Cartilage. It's keratin, isn't it? I don't know. So anyways, um, um, no, it's a little bit of a Last question. Summer. Is there a fan fiction called Shadow and Boners? Probably. Okay. Um, there were See, both I screen that, boners. That, that little section, babe? Um, so what I've been trying to say for many sentences now is the irony is that they shoehorned in a plot with the Six of Crows characters just to like entice people in that was not in the original Shadow and Bone mm. books and the actual fans or at least some of the ones that I read were like why did they have to like force this storyline especially if they're supposedly doing the Six of Crows their own mm-hmm. like spinoff that was the part that I liked the best because I was maybe just because I knew the characters but it was like it was kind of like a heist storyline mm-hmm. within this like good and evil chosen one storyline mm-hmm. and the chosen i'm just like kind of over mediocre chosen one storylines like she's like i never wanted this and I'm but to there's save. a prophecy girl what to save can we say and there's a prophecy and and I, I don't know i it was fine i enjoyed it as like a historical fantasy vibe um, you pinned it on me because I wasn't ready to watch Witcher yet. Correct. So this definitely satiated mm-hmm. my craving for that. Um, the what next got, show babe? that I jumped into is very different from that. Um, nice. I have not watched Heartstopper yet, and I know everyone's been raving about it. And I'm excited to watch it sometime because I've heard only good things. Mm-hmm. But um, right before Heartstopper came out, like literally the day before, I needed a TV show to watch. So then I randomly kind of on a whim decided to watch call the midwife mm-hmm. which i think emily friend of the show has recommended it to me one time okay um but it's a bbc historical drama mm-hmm. and it's been on my netflix to uh, watch list like forever like everything on my netflix watch list and i'm really enjoying it i'm like on season three i think I'm not sure why you're enjoying it so much i don't really know i think bridgerton kind of kicked off like a historical Hmm. like period piece kind of yeah it has not grabbed me in the bits bits um, that i've caught it's right in the sweet spot of how much i need to pay attention like what i was looking for Mm -hmm. it's very episodic like it's uh basically like historical gray's anatomy Mm -hmm. where there's like different medical cases and things each week but then there's like the same characters and like their personal drama Mm -hmm. i don't really care for the main character Um, said that a couple times She's just kind of blessed. She's kind of she's meant to be like the audience. Mm-hmm. So she like I don't find her having a ton of personality. She's meant to kind of be the stand-in. So because she's narr- her like older self is narrating. Yeah. So she's meant to kind of be the eyes of the show. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, like they don't I don't feel like she has a ton of personality. But um, I can't really say why I'm liking it. I did like Grey's Anatomy for a while. It's true. Um, Scratching that itch. I since having a baby I'm more interested in midwifery um the only thing worse than midwifery is pianist or flautist mm-hmm. terrible um but it's just the right amount of how much I need to pay attention like there's like a nice like London historical vibe to it and I have to pay attention enough to kind of follow the characters and the medical cases but I'm, it's not like I'm going to miss something if I step right. away for a minute or if I, my attention wanders. So I think where my brain is at lately, it's been a good, um, I don't know, just a good show for where I'm at mentally right now, where I don't have to, it's not, there's no 
there's no hype, I guess, I think is mm-hmm. one thing that I'm appreciating about it. I'm not watching it with any um, preconceived notions or any um, feeling like pressure that I have to enjoy it or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like, oh, I think that's why I struggle with a lot of books lately is they're usually recommended by books people on Bookstagram. And then when I read them and they're just okay, it's like, well, I get disappointed. The letdown, yeah. Yeah, this show I'm just very neutral to, and I appreciate it. Early 2000s album covers, like just... Just just, Hilary Duff with the wind in her hair. Yeah, really zoomed in. I'm still trying to find one more woman I would would keep. Um, Any other shows? Um, I mean, we've we've still been watching Our Flag Means Death. I think we talked about that a little bit last time. Oh, I hope not. I assume we, we would be saving it. I just meant that we mentioned that we were watching Probably, it. Yeah. So I was just trying to think of what other shows were Yeah, watching. Susan Boyle? <laughs> She's really on there? Oh, man. Shania Twain at one point in my life I probably would have saved. <laughs> yeah, it's all Taylor Swift, Madonna, and Destiny's Whitney Child. Whitney Houston. Right, but can you save them? Oh, okay, fair mm. enough. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just shocked still. Okay, I promise I won't keep doing that. Are we ready to get into some good news and bad news? I actually have links for like the first time this calendar really? year. Really? I don't I think. think I have any news. Well then, I shall kick us off, babe. Go for it. Good news and bad news. Um, I have one good and one bad. Uh, first one, we often touch on um, sporting events for gender equality. Um, the... San Francisco Giants have a um, female coach on their staff, and she broke a barrier uh, the first week of the season, I think. Uh, she became the first woman to be an on-the-field coach. She went in um, to be the first-base coach because okay. it so happened that the other first-base coach got ejected from the game, so she <laughs> got a chance to be the, um, the first-base coach. Good for her. Which harkens back to that time... When you went to be first base coach and you were told to put on a helmet because they thought you were 17 at the age of like 16, 28. They said anyone under 16 <laughs> needs to have a helmet on. And I said, sir, I'm 28. <laughs> uh, I'm old enough that it's flattering that you think that I'm under 16. But uh, a little bit I don't creepy. know about that. Yeah. I just meant like if you're like 18, you're like, I'm 18. Yeah. Um, but no, I was 16, 20, 15. Um, 27 or 28 yeah yeah um my bad news is wimbledon what's your take babe um i don't know what you're talking about they are not going to allow any players who officially list russia as their home country to participate i i feel like the sanctions Sanctioning the Russian people is kind of like double punishing them, no? Mm-hmm. I I assumed it was like a sensational headline or something when I read it. I was like, oh, they must not mean what it, what I think it means. But it means that like Medvedev will be unable to play despite him being one of the top three players in the world right now. And even though he has, I believe, uh, I haven't read the quotes myself, but come out as very outspoken against the war. So well, Wimbledon's stance is that it's such a a um such like an abuse of power that Russia is doing that they don't want to have any representation of that country inside of the tournament at all. 
but U.S. players are allowed to play. That is one uh, spot of hypocrisy that's been called out, is that Russia is certainly not the first uh, imperialistic company uh, country to use um, lethal weapons Israel. To, to pursue it. Um, so yeah, I will be shocked if they go through with it. I just... All most of the other players on the tour are coming out and uh, coming out against it because it's like, like the the Russian players like they don't even live in Russia. They're on tour eleven months of the year. And like they, does it have to do with on their passport? Can they just change their flag to wherever they're living currently? Like I know, like half if, of them I'm sure don't even live in Russia. They train in saying. Florida. Like or if Medvedev lives in the Monaco. U.S. or lives in France, yeah. can he just change it to France? I don't know. I um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. The sanctions need to be to the Russian government, not right. to individuals. It's in very Russia. different than it's not the uh, it's not the Davis Cup or a tournament like the Olympics that's country based. Like you don't really go to Wimbledon to to represent your country. It is a is a personal sport, and you get the money. You're not winning any medals or anything for your country. Yeah, I understand sanctioning like the. Russian elite mm-hmm. who are like in the govern in the governing class um but yeah sanctioning athletes I thought the Olympics were also talking about not letting Russia compete but you're right I guess that's more of a country well they're always like, they not really compete not allowed to compete because they're cheaters and they now this would be a different count as well by country like in tennis yeah. it's not like Russia has won this many no, there are opens. certain tournaments that are country based but the majors are not one of them so, we'll see what happens. That will be uh, early July. Yeah, for once, I don't really have any newses. Okay. The bad news is that that hotel burned down in North Conway. Mm-hmm. Never even been there, aside to look for, look at it as a wedding venue, but I feel very bad. It was one of the more iconic hotels in North Conway, and half of it just burned to the ground. It didn't make the, the local news here in Minnesota, but... No. I um my other bad news would just I haven't even been able to like look at it just because climate despair but like the UN report the latest report mm-hmm. on climate change was just atrocious and they just get worse and worse every time and nobody gives a shit and I just yeah. I struggle with it I know that I'm not doing enough yeah I've over the last couple of years I've started to empathize more with the common common person I won't say man um just because I think putting too much pressure on yourself to uh, to do everything right in a green way. Oh, I meant more than is... I'm not doing enough to like protest the corporations who right. are who are uh, contributing. I think pushing the responsibility onto individuals is. We talked about this a little bit last time when I talked about braiding mm. sweetgrass. I think, but mm-hmm. um, there's a there's a both and situation where like individuals should do the best they can, but also understand that trying to shift the blame just to individuals is ignoring the bulk of the problem like we as a couple could never use electricity ever again and it would not even make a dent in sure. things that are in emissions. Motion, yeah. so i mean it's not like the word capitalist is like hiding its intent like it's right there in the word they're going to capitalize off of everyone else and everything else. And use everything as capital in there. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. 
Oh, babe. No, America. Americans have been brainwashed, and we ruined the world. All right. Next time on Digital Digital Get Down. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have a good news. What's my good news? Mm, I don't know. That you've read 43 books or whatever, I would say. 47. 47, sorry. 46? Um, do we need to do any more book digits? As you already slid one in there earlier. Book digits. P-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com. Thanks. <laughs> um, um, all right, let's get oh, into our... Oh, my me- good mm. news, bad news really should have been about my medication, but I guess I don't know if I want to start that at this point. The medication or talking about it? The whole situation with it was very stressful. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure we need to dive into pharmaceutical stories. Oh, um, okay. Well, the, the healthcare system is fucked up, too. That's more bad news, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure exactly where you were going with that, but... The good news was I finally got to sort it out. Yeah. The good news is that it's going to be warmer this week. Finally, sure spring thing. is going to come to Minnesota in sure. May. <sighs> All right. Let's get into our main segments. I think we should talk about the book first. Okay. Because I just finished it. Um, Elizabeth, if you're I listening. I had a countdown on my Kindle, running out of days. It's usually not, my it's thing. not how I like to read books. I got through. Um, Elizabeth can just cover her ears. Yeah, she just she can skip the rest of this episode. This is a book that she recommended that I liked just fine and you really didn't like. I mean, I think I gave it a C minus. I didn't, I didn't burn my Kindle after reading it, but once I didn't download a Lumineer song and I just had to throw away my whole iPod. <laughs> oh, okay, so do you want to try to give the summary? Sure. So it's called um, Rosalind Palmer Takes the Cake, mm-hmm. right? First in a series now. Is it? Yep. Is the next one going to be the same people or just the same contest? Same concept. It already has a name. Something something is... But is it about Rosalind Palmer again or is it just no, about it has, the bake-off? No, it's a two-person thing? name and then it's another baking term at the end. Okay. Yeah. Um... So it is a fictitious version of the Great British Bake Off. What's the difference between fictitious and fictional? I feel like I just used that incorrectly. I don't think there's any difference. It's a fictitious version (laughs) of the Great British Bake Off. And it centers around Rosalind Palmer, who is a... By Alexis Hall. By Alexis Hall, who I really liked boyfriend material. And I also read something fabulous, which was not as good as boyfriend material, but mm-hmm. very different. And husband material is coming out soon, which I'm excited about because it's the sequel to boyfriend material. Wow, clearly, she's she got has a lot of series going on. Quite the title conventions. Mm-hmm. She has. She's a very prolific writer. She has a huge backlist so. too. Um, did I feel like I just read another one by her too? Um, okay. Anyways, um, so Rosalind Palmer takes the cake. It centers on Rosalind Palmer, obviously. Mm-hmm. She is a single mom who, um, from kind of a wealthy family, um, but she... Yes, str- two doctors, she, wealthy she, family, like, for sure. struggles to, to take care of her daughter. Um, yep. And she decides to go on the baking show, whatever mm-hmm. it's called in the book. Bake Expectations. Really? That's what they went with? Yeah. Okay. Second one's going to be called Paris Dallincourt is About to Crumble. God. The series is called 
winner bakes all. All the puns and wordplay. Mm-hmm. Um, so she enters this competition with very low confidence, kind of not sure what she wants to do with her life, but knowing that she wants to make a change and she's not super happy with her life. And um, promptly meets this like real buttoned up preppy British guy and they kind of start a flirtation slash relationship. Even before they get to the show. C- correct, yeah. Um, and uh, you meet the other contestants on the show mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like this do I like this dude or not kind of thing. Like he kind of... Um, That's like the first act, yeah. Yeah, and then um, Rosalind Palmer is bisexual mm-hmm. Um and there's some other love interests, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a baking show going on. Right. The baking show is, like, more background than I would like it to be. I, th- I totally get why. Like, it would be so dull if she described every single thing they baked every single week. It's set over eight weeks, I think, in the book. Uh, with two challenges a week instead of three. So she already shrank stuff down yeah. from the real Bake Off because there's just, like, you can't recap all of that and still keep a, a novelization going, a novel plot going. Um, but I almost feel like you could do, like, a find and replace and, like, put this put this rom-com, like, anywhere else with just a group of ten people who vaguely know each other. Well, there are a lot of reality show books right now that I think I've Mm -hmm. talked about before. The other one that's very similar to this is called Love and Other Disasters, and it's set on, like, a chopped type. Um, No. Which is the one? Top Chef? Where there's, like, ten people? Chopped they're only on for one time, so that'd be a very quick Sorry, Top Chef. I get them confused. (laughs) Is that the one that they have, like... No, Master Chef? Yeah. Which one? All those, I think. They have the tables and the people that are up in the balconies. Which one's that? Top Chef, I think. Okay, so it's based on Top Chef, so it's very similar. And then there's a number of other ones I've read that mm-hmm. are reality show based. There's um, If the Shoe Fits, which is like, um, and and the Charm Offensive, which are both Bachelor based. Sure. There's um, Devon and something plan a wedding mm-hmm. um devon and chris plan a wedding which is like love is blind based i think they have to like convince their families that they're gonna marry someone they just met got it um anyway so this is one in in kind of a a, a genre a sub-genre, yes, a sub-genre mm-hmm. exactly um of somewhat most of them are queer that i've read yeah i think it's a pretty good setup for a premise for sure uh the, in, go ahead. the reason i I thought you might enjoy it is because when I read it, we had just finished watching a season of Bake Off. Yeah. And I did find some of the behind the scenes. At, at the beginning of the book, I think they do focus a little bit more on the Bake Off stuff, and then it become, becomes a little bit more a little secondary. Bit. I still wanted more, and I wanted some of the non-contestant characters to become a little bit more uh, involved. Like, really, for a, for a book with ten contestants plus behind the scenes people... Um, like the hosts and the cast. Yeah, and the, and the, the only and key characters in this are Rosaline, her two male love interests, and one female friend type contestant. Yeah. And then you have her daughter at home and her Parents. past lover best friend. Yeah. Uh, who's really mainly just there as like a way to logistic. Yeah, do the logistics of babysitting because yeah. Rosaline is constantly away and then constantly doing other stuff during the week. 
uh, and the parents do make an appearance, which is the most of the the uh, the crossover between this and the movie we're talking about. I I like I need a new trigger warning or what's it called content warning? Yeah. For uh, parental doctors, because I can't <laughs> fucking stand. I really doubt that every doctor demands that their child also becomes a doctor. I bet like three quarters of them is like, no, you probably don't want to go into this line of yeah, work. Yeah, like I'm really tired uh, all the time. I never I see my kids. I hate that trope so yeah. much. Um, so I really wanted and expected, like you compared it to the show Unreal. Sure. To some degree. And Unreal is fun because you have the contestants and you have the behind the scenes and you have more, uh, more overlapping than there should be between those two sure, groups yeah in this one my favorite character was the very foul foul-mouthed uh head producer who was just like british cockney swearing to the millionth degree uh the few times she did appear on page the you had like the test you had the like the assistant producer and then you had a host and you had the two judges and they were just introduced as like obviously proxies for uh, yeah. pretty much Mary Berry and Paul and a host which is just generic uh, British comedian yeah. and they had their catchphrases and stuff but they don't they're not involved in the book at all um, yeah they were certainly more as part of the setting than, than their own right. characters I'm trying to think the other ones the charm offensive I mean one of the main characters is one of the is literally unreal it's like right. the PA or whatever yeah. the and then both in if the shoe fits and Devon and Chris, uh, they both definitely have more like side characters that are more prominent and become actual characters and friends and, and whatnot. Yep. This one, you're right. I think, like I said, they, they more just added to the atmosphere. It's just a wasted like, opportunity a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that Rosaline was, was bisexual. Great um, representation. Great. Um, kind of like bringing it up in different ways without make, hitting it over your the head exactly yeah. but I was caught by surprise I assumed in chapter one where she introduces herself as bisexual that her love triangle would be one man and one woman um, which I guess was not sexist of me I don't know what the word is but just um, uh foolish of me to assume that if you're bisexual you pick one of each and that's the easiest way to do a rom-com so i guess it's uh more nuanced that she went with two primary two primary male love interests but i don't know i can't help thinking that that element of her character was then a little bit wasted i actually liked that because i do think that like you said there is an expectation Mm -hmm. that if they're bisexual they're like 50 50 bisexual where Mm -hmm. like they're half attracted to men and half attracted to women where i think bisexuality is more fluid than that and like you can be mostly attracted to men or mostly attracted to women Mm -hmm. and not you don't always have to have one guy and one girl that you're into at all times right so i liked that it kind of flipped expectations there um i mostly liked her like internal struggles but i thought they dragged out a little bit too much or were a little bit too detailed does Alexis Hall write all of her books this way? Kind of. Boyfriend material. It's like very frenetic. The way I described it to you and the easiest way I can put it is that it is the most first person-y, third person book I've ever read. I struggled a little with boyfriend material to get into it for the same reason in that it was um, 
slightly annoying or slightly yeah. whiny. Yeah. Like it was almost too realistic and yeah. introspective, like into someone's head. Correct. And I guess for me, once I get used to that, I get drawn into it and I relate to it and I relate to like the anxieties and the self-doubt and all of that. The way that she writes it, I think is mm-hmm. you definitely like feel like you were in the character's brain with them. And yeah. sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. Sometimes that makes you connect to the character and like really feel what they're feeling. And other times you're like, oh my God, will they please stop thinking already? Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that this book veered a little bit too much into that at points where yeah. I was just like, she just needs to deal with these parents. She just needs to like do what's going to make her happy. And I, some, I really liked like the message that she ended up with, the mm-hmm. overall message. But I also felt like it like took her a little too long to get there. Yeah, I think the overall her overall arc is fine. It was almost more like page to page, like the sentence structure and the way the internal thoughts are are put into sentences is just was just kind of jarring from start to finish for me. Um, it's also too long of a book. It's like almost four hundred pages for yes. a, for a light hearted rom com um, with with 10 with eight episodes of a tv show to kind of cover um i also think that british bake-off actually isn't a great setting for the show whereas the bachelor or something is even though they're all like once a week shows but bake-off you do go home in between and it seemed like the author struggled with well do i want her to do i want to waste any pages with the at-home stuff sometimes she would just be like and a week passed, and sometimes yeah. she would be like, well, on Wednesday this happened, and on Thursday this happened. It just wasn't super conducive for, like, a um, a very, like, consistent storytelling approach because it was eight eight weeks. Um, but which, how much is the weekend and how much is the right, in between? Yeah. And I know you said you also struggled with the, the dialogue in terms of... Right. The, the, once again, the pacing and the time jumping, like, the, like she would kind of repeat what just happened again and the reader already knows what happened the reader right. didn't need to read the recap are we going to talk about the threesome yeah that scene really really threw me the, the third act um unironically <laughs> is kind of spearheaded with a Forced. ill-conceived slash sexual a sexual assault um threesome where the the Botched initial threesome. love interest kind of shows his true colors Spoiler finally alert whatever and um it was an interesting scene it definitely she had to do something to like you could tell right you had at the beginning you had one dude who with his like off the cuff um like blue collar um approach to her was like ooh, kind of rubbed her the wrong way and the other guy was like perfect and preppy like you said and they had to both kind of take separate trajectories um and so she needed an event to kind of culminate that and and you know head the reader into the final act but it was a very odd scene to read um very uncomfortable by design um and just kind of came a little bit out of nowhere it sets up the final conflict um but to me it also a little bit felt like I don't know, now that we're talking about it, it felt like it was like added in after or something mm. where it was like there needed to be some sort of reason for her to 
leave this guy even though she was kind of meh about him and there needed to be some sort of conflict towards the end of the book um this is the part that dragged out too long for me and i think that's why that scene was so jarring is the middle kind of dragged and you're like okay this dude isn't actually that great of a dude she hasn't figured it out yet Mm -hmm. he's like clearly distracting her and using her um to like get ahead in the competition like Mm -hmm. all of his best ideas were her ideas and it seems like it's even obvious to her too and you're like she's still going along with it and then it takes him like forcing her into a situation where she clearly said no um for her to realize oh maybe he's not that great of a dude and to like set up the conflict with the the love triangle Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the love triangle seems to just happen like almost too naturally Mm -hmm. and quickly so I think the pacing of the romance was a little off. And I'm not saying that it has to every love triangle has to be like at exactly 50% of the book they switch or something. Mm-hmm. But to me, as the reader, I was like, this guy's shitty. She's not gonna, I hope she doesn't end up with this guy. And I was kind of just waiting for her to ditch him. Um, right. When you have a meet-cute in the first chapter, there's really only two directions you can go, right? Yeah. Either, you know... They, they hit some rocky patches and they end up happy together or she realizes that the meet-cute wasn't everything it Yeah, and it like, promised. props to the author for kind of flipping the script a little bit and that being like, you can have meet-cutes with people who aren't right for you. You can have a meet-cute mm-hmm. with someone who's not the endgame person. Sure. But also, I think that point could have been made without dragging it out quite so long. Um, My other quibbles, I normally love little kids in novels as like side characters mm-hmm. her daughter was like pretty annoying in this one and was like precocious in certain situations and seemed like a toddler in others even though she was supposed to be like eight or nine i think um and yeah i think that was my other complaint i also just the british the whimsy like didn't really do it for me and there were some like really long-running jokes between her and the bad dude like when he called her rosaline um palmer because that's how she introduced herself at first and like the author uses it like five times a chapter from start to finish i you know that i find that kind of british shit charming hence why i'm watching call the midwife Mm -hmm. um so i found the book kind of charming for that reason i also thought it was really funny i think one of alexis hall's strengths is that um they're very funny like i just i don't often like laugh out loud in books or emote loudly in mm-hmm. books and i think um i think their books make me laugh out loud a lot i think i i relate to their sense of humor mm-hmm. and um i appreciate that they're really funny so that was one of my like strengths of the book i don't know that it necessarily lines up with your sense of humor mm-hmm. but um i thought it was funny and i thought the british stuff yeah, was mostly moments, charming sure. um i feel like i'm being more um critical of this I'm than my woke. review I, yeah you're over to my side then my review mentioned i gave it a b plus i found it charming um my biggest issue was the love triangle dragging on for way too long and me kind of getting sick of of her still giving this dude a chance mm-hmm. and some of the introspection being too much but overall i i liked it i mean there's not as much to talk about when i'm saying oh i liked the book so it's a little easier to complain about it but mm-hmm. um i thought it was worth reading especially if you're a bake-off fan 
I also think you need to like contemporary romance because it definitely has a contemporary romance mm-hmm. overall feel to it. Yeah. And if that's not your cup of tea, then this might not. Um, There's a lot of tea drinking in the book as well. All right, we nailed that segment. Did we? Mm-hmm. I think I'm outpacing you in terms of number of yawns during this episode, but let's keep it going, babe. What okay. movie are we talking about? Talking about the Hating Game. Mm-hmm. Um, I this is this should be called um, Heather forces Bennett to uh, partake in rom coms because mm-hmm. that's really what this. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure it's the right genre about. for me. I don't know if I have a favorite or one that I really really love. I um, dirty dancing just because I love a good camp atmosphere, but I should be read the book Camp. Hmm. Uh, so so Hating Game. I didn't is, read this book. You did not read this okay. book. Um, Hating Game was a book that had been on my TBR for a long time. I specifically remember almost picking up it up at the library in Australia, and then not. Like then putting it back and never going back to cool it. Cool story, Hansel. Uh, I'm just saying it's been a while. <laughs> um, and when the movie was coming out, I, should, I was like, "Oh, it's oh. that old of a book." Yes, hmm. I was like, "I should finally read this book." And uh, so I read the book, and then I convinced you to have us rent the movie. We paid. Three, oh, we paid money for it. I think we had a gift certificate. Two ninety nine on Amazon or whatever hmm. it was. Um, and it was just about as I expected. So the the plot of the book is basically you already did one plot oh My sorry turn. go ahead i thought you said i was doing both we're of them. team go ahead um you're gonna have to give me the character names lucy and mm-hmm. that sounds right uh that doesn't know uh, i'm gonna say it was um josh yeah basic dude um so i'll talk about the movie you tell me if the book is any different but sure. they work at a book publisher that has just merged from two smaller publishers, I think. Mm -hmm. And so no surprise, they're coming from like the rival uh, companies that are now being told to work together. Um, So they're both like editorial assistants. And the way the books, the way the movie sets it up is you kind of hear Lucy's voice first, I think. Yeah. And she talks about how, how awful josh is but basically by awful she means like how perfect and stuck up and snooty he is he wears like a perfect suit uh to work every day and their desks face each other she has to stare at him all day long he has to stare at her um they have some issue with donuts or something what was that bit no i don't remember okay most of that plot doesn't actually matter it's just showing you that they hate each other right they are they're certainly rivals and like she supports her boss and he support supports his boss and the bosses don't really see eye to eye so it's just like a huge rivalry um and that's pretty much the entire premise yeah it's um it's is a little bit of an unreliable narrator storyline mm-hmm. in that um it's set up especially from lucy's perspective that they hate each other and they're rivals and they're enemies and whatever and you find out later that that's not necessarily how josh sees it Mm -hmm. and that that's not necessarily the full reality of it i guess you gaslighting me Hmm? you gaslighting me i'm not gaslighting you i'm (laughs) saying that like i'm saying that in the story obviously because if i said it's a rom-com uh She's built up the rivalry in her head, for sure. Exactly. She's built up the rivalry a lot in her head to stop herself from admitting that she's attracted to him. Of course. Um, and that she's jealous of how good he is with numbers or with 
certain aspects of his job. Mm -hmm. And he is kind of only been going along with that because he thinks that they've been kind of like flirting and bantering the whole time. Mm -hmm. A lot of sexual tension. Um, So it's... Which the actors do. Um, Oh, right. Early on, she has a sex dream of him too. Yes. So Mm -hmm. the movie can basically just be called like sexual tension in the office. Um, Yeah. And... Softcore porn. Yeah. Um... So the book is very similar. The movie, I think, was actually a very good adaptation and that it takes a lot of parts of the book that were very long and uh, shortens them a little bit. There's a paintball scene. You were like, oh boy, here comes the paintball It was pages and pages in the book. There were like different challenges. It was like a full day long thing in the book. Mm-hmm. And it was there was so much build up to it. It was just a very long scene in the book. And in the movie, it was like five right they have a work outing front yeah. to back um so i think they did a pretty good job in the movie of um sh- picking the correct scenes to to like focus on and shortening some other scenes that weren't as important mm-hmm. um what was your overall take on the movie as a rom-com my overall take is that if we had if it had been like in a, a net buried at the bottom of a netflix list i would have been like yeah that wasn't bad but this was like a theatrical release right kind of limited release yeah it definitely felt pretty indie yeah uh it didn't feel like a blockbuster rom-com no definitely not um i think my biggest complaint sorry do you want to say more no good. i think my biggest complaint in terms of the adaptation is that they didn't include like her parents very much the only her person parents, who she right. spoke to outside of her boss Office, and yeah. Josh was the other guy who she was kind of dating and right. then becomes friends with. She yeah. literally doesn't speak to anyone else. And no. I know in the in the book that's part of it that she's lonely and she talks about how she um, lost her friends in the merger. Like a lot of her friends got let go. So she didn't really have very many office friends left. Mm -hmm. And she works a lot and doesn't have a lot of other friends. But in the movie, I don't know, I found it very like sad in a bad way that like they didn't show her having... Not very many female female conversations. Yes, yes. I guess that's what I'm getting at. It reminded me a lot of the Dash and Lily's thing. Like grown up a little bit for sure. But that same kind of vibe and also the fact that like it was a New York story but 98% 98% from what we could tell of the movie was not filmed in New York. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was definitely like a low-ish budget thing, I think, and that kind of bears out in a few places. I was, like, fine with the movie until we got to the wedding situation. Mm-hmm. Although the wedding hotel check-in guy, I believe, was my favorite part. <laughs> yes. I forget why, but there were that was the best bit of the movie, I think. Um, but it's his brother's wedding, right? Yes. And he doesn't have a date. Correct. To the last minute. He wasn't going to go. Wasn't going to go. And he's like, I won't tell you why. Um, And then you get there and it's like, right, it's like the combination of my two least favorite tropes, which is just bad dad in general. And then doctor dad. So you get bad doctor Doctor dad. dad. And he's just like, not even like such a villain like worse than like a disney villain there's like no redeeming to this man he's just like very one-sided well josh didn't become a doctor he could have been in middle school school blah 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 blah. and then like like i get it because uh lucy has to stand up for him and that's like a pivotal part in their relationship but i was just like blah 
Yeah, I think that's part of what my critique was going to be is that I think it wasn't a super like three-dimensional book with the characters and the or the movie especially Mm -hmm. like a lot of the characters were really kind of one-dimensional or one note lucy is like cutesy and she collects smurfs and she grew up on a strawberry farm and she likes polka dots and Mm -hmm. then josh is like corporate and wears suits and likes numbers and then like the the dad what's his nickname for her because of strawberry shortcake shortcake that's right so i think the main romance is um decently well done like they have plenty of um different opportunities where they're thrown together and there's a good chemistry there and there's a good will they won't they even when they get together kind of it's it's not very clear it's still a little bit of like a is this serious or is it not kind of thing and it, it's they're not necessarily on the same page or communicating very well about what it means or what they feel for each other so i think the author does a good job of like stringing the reader along of like okay they kind of hate each other but they're obviously attracted to each other and then they're kind of together but kind of not and then like mm-hmm. what's going to be the the um the catalyst to like bring them together bring them up officially together and to mm-hmm. get them to talk things out and whatnot so i think the romance itself is well developed but i think i think you can see when it gets put onto screen that there wasn't really much else there in the story what happens in that scene when they're about to bang it out and like they're in his apartment with the colored he, wall or something Oh, the colored wall is the color of her eyes. Right. I thought it was going to switch into a horror movie at that point for just like a split second. No, it's... um, She basically says, like, let's just bang one out and move on. Right, right, right. And he's, like, been in love with her this whole time. Yeah. So there is... uh, I think that was a good... A twist is a strong word, but a good kind of narrative twist was that lucy's been convinced they hate each other this whole time and josh has been convinced that they're flirting and bantering this whole time because he's like in love with her and doesn't really know what to do about it Mm -hmm. and so i think that is a good twist especially when you start more with lucy's perspective Mm -hmm. that you're like oh they hate each other they're rivals they're this and then that's not really how josh sees things so i did like that aspect of it i thought that was well done and i think the main romance was well done but yeah like i said i think especially when you translate it to the screen there's not really any side characters of note that are not like directly related to the plot and it's it's really tropey mm-hmm. when it gets onto the screen it's like there's the time when she gets sick and there's the time when like she needs a ride somewhere and there's the time like there's yeah. the time it's when raining there's only outside. one it's raining there's only one bed it's yeah. like it's it does rely heavily on tropes and i think when you're reading the book you're like oh this is just a cute romance and i think when you put it on screen like i said i think they they did a great job of adapting it to make it a much tighter story um but you also it also amplifies more that like there's just no other real characters of note it's really just the two Do main you characters. think that's what it's like to work at a book publisher i think uh you know how for a while all the books were about like i'm getting my mfa or i'm a professor Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think the new version of that is setting it in a publishing house because people who like books work at a publishing house and then decide they want to write a book i am just not convinced that even after that merger they could sustain us sustain a staff of that many people in a new york office they had like two books come out during the span of the movie like very niche books yeah correct um 
a different book that I've read this year called Must Love Books was also set in the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. But they do talk about that, about how they, it's very niche and how there's budget cuts and this and that. So sure. it was a little more realistic. This one was definitely meant to just be a rom-com yeah. plot. I was, there's a, a quote that was just in a rom-com book that I read. Well, rom-com is a strong word. It was kind of just a contemporary book. And, um, it's a quote about from Mindy Kaling saying that architects aren't real people. They're just for they're just for um, men to have an interesting sounding job in rom coms. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> because, and I think publishing house is similar. Where it's like, there's no way a publishing house is like that, but it sounds like a fun yeah place to have a like a fun setting. Sure. Instead of just saying they work in an off an un, like nondescript office. Right. But it didn't really need to be a publishing house. So if you, I mean, if you like romantic comedies, I think it was a, a watchable movie. Like you said, it was definitely better than a lot of the crap that's on Netflix. <laughs> he's a, um, he's an attractive fellow, this actor, whatever his yes, name is. Austin something. Mm-hmm. And they definitely have good um, sexual chemistry on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, if you want just like a good kind of straightforward rom-com with a couple of minor twists and, and some good tropes. Mm, to spice up your Sunday night. It's watchable. Uh, it's not going to win any awards. That's where we're at now with episode <laughs> 107. Readable. Hi, it's guys. watchable. This is watchable. This is readable. I give this two readable thumbs. Two readable thumbs? Well, I guess you kind of use your two thumbs if you read on your phone or your Kindle. Um... Not our most inspiring uh, pairing, but uh, do you have any... Upcoming stuff? Upcoming things or anything to add? Um, What's coming up? I'm not looking forward to anything, though. <laughs> um, Thor, Love and Thunder. Natalie Portman's back? Is she back? All I saw about it was that Taika Waititi is punishing Chris Pratt um, for being homophobic by like making him have a lot of weird sexual tension scenes with thor chris pratt is in a thor movie yes got it they're they're making taika watiti do extended universe shit apparently sure. so uh, i didn't really follow much of the trailer i won't lie mm-hmm. but i'll watch whatever taika watiti wants to make thor do thor do so mm-hmm. um the other one that i know nothing about is everything everywhere all at once is that a question or that's a title I of something? I think that's the title, but I might have gotten some of the words mixed up. Okay. Book, um, show, movie? It's a movie, mm. and everyone is talking about how amazing it is, but I have no idea anything about it. Everything, okay. everywhere, all at once. I had it right. It's um has a bunch of Asian actors in it. Okay. And it's like some sort of sci-fi I don't know. I've heard amazing things about it. Oh, no. I think it's like in theaters. People go to the theaters? I heard Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is good. Oh, God. Did you actually watch the first one? Yeah. Our our little lad enjoyed it. I don't know if that's an endorsement for it. He watches a lot of bad stuff. Like I said, I think I talked about it on the podcast. If it wasn't a pro-cop main storyline, I think it would have been really good, the first one. Everything Everywhere All at Once is in IMAX. How well, you are said it was sci-fi. IMAX is still open? Um, what the fuck have they been doing for the last couple years? 
Um, it's not streaming. It is an exclusively theatrical release. Well. But I, I keep hearing great things day about and it, age. so we'll have to watch it. And we finally need to watch the new Spider-Man one before I get spoiled. Sure. I think we might need to, like, rent it. Mm-hmm. But our child needs to start going to bed earlier if that's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, there's really only, like, a 90-minute time window. Yeah, not that's not Marvel time length, so mm-hmm. I don't know what we're going to do. All right, babe. Thanks for this rousing hour. <laughs> been fun (laughs) it's time for us to uh go to sleep thanks for listening if you made it this far we'll be back at you sometime we've got some other stuff uh cooking oh yeah down the line oh yeah um i just we're gonna bring you the goods i downloaded a book onto my kindle that you hated so yeah everyone can look forward to that oh god here you go good i know which one it's gonna be yeah um and we have one half of one of our movie things planned as well, upcoming. We watched one of the two that we need to for it. Um, yeah. I would rather watch uh, Skies Falling. Don't look up? Yeah. You have to read that weather book to go with it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I can't turn on my Kindle for the next, like... Three to four months. The next try. I haven't turned mine on for like Look two months. Look at that. We wrapped it up. Because I'm still stuck on some, so. Okay, Merlot. Home. That's a wrap. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. See ya.